not for all of last week or not for um but uh i hit the ground running preaching last week did not notice that the young men were not were still in the room and so then i shared my testimony and i pro i just would never have wanted to share that in front of them but um then at right after I shared it, or a few minutes after, I never did see Matthew. He was behind Garland and Annette, but uh, I glanced over there, and there was Andrew. And so from that point on, I tried to dial the whole sermon back. But anyway, um, just did not know they were not having children's church last week. And uh, so I'll try to be more observant from now on. Uh I apologize to Marion and Melissa, but I already apologized to uh, Eric and said, and he said, uh, oh, I think he'll be okay. He said, uh, I said, well, I hope I didn't scare the children, even talking about demons or something. He said, well, I was pretty much freaked out my whole life. So <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, you know, so if 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 you need to pray with your children over uh, last night's last week's sermon, I understand we're not going to be going into anything like that tonight. So it kind of just fell wrong. Hallelujah. So <clears throat> we've been talking about uh, being delivered ourselves, healed, inner. If you want to call it inner healing, that's you know, kind of it all runs together. If you you know, sozo means wellness in all in every part just complete wholeness financially relationally spiritually mentally physically and that's what sozo means and the greek word for healing is uh in the new testament sometimes they translate it healing sometimes they translate it deliverance and sometimes they uh I forget, there's one other thing they translated as, but it's the Greek word sozo, or wholeness. And, uh, or most of the time they do. The ca case being like, the, you remember the ten lepers, and one came back and he was made whole, or sozo. That's it, wholeness. That's the other thing. So deliverance, healing, or wholeness, or whole, made whole. And those are the three things that it, that sozo can be translated. But the first nine just got healing, but uh, the tenth one got uh, wholeness. The woman uh, with the issue of blood, daughter, be of good cheer, your faith has made you whole. She didn't just get uh, the the fountain of blood that was uh, plaguing her dried up, but she got made whole in in every area and so that is the the whole thing is we that we be made whole and so it overlaps deliverance and inner healing and uh, physical healing and and sometimes they're all connected and sometimes we have to have one thing before the other thing works and so we'll look at maybe some examples of that tonight if we get that far uh so um so we talked about that there were three entry points of how uh, a demon presence can come in and attack our soul, mind, will, and emotions, or our physical body. Not our spirit, but those areas. But it does affect us spiritually and our spirit. Um, 
uh, nothing comes from our spirit, out of our spirit, that does not have to go through our soul. Everything in our spirit has to go through our soul, our mind. You know, we have to will it and our emotions. So even though our spirit's been preserved, blameless, then we um, must... We must. We need to be free in our soul. We need to be free in every area. And that is often a process. God does not put on us more than we can handle at one time. He waits till... He doesn't bring up subjects that we are too immature or that are going to overwhelm us uh, to deal with when He's leading us by His Spirit and He wants us to deal with something. Um, my own example of... I had a tremendous, I had a root of fear in my life. And I realize now it was, it was there from childhood, but that it was like God didn't allow that thing to manifest until I had matured in the Lord, grown up some, and still, it was still a big challenge when I had to face that fear and those anxiety attacks and all of those things, it was a major challenge in my life, but I had to be to a place of maturity spiritually before I could deal with it. And so now some things uh, attack us out of the blue. In that case, God brought me to a place where I could deal with it. It was underneath. It was hidden inside. But there's other things that uh, just come from nowhere, and we're forced to deal with situations that maybe we're not as prepared to deal with. God's always there to help us, but because of what other people do. And so we talked about that. So the three entry points are generational sin. The other one is personal sin. And the third one is wounds, what people have done to us that left a wound in our, uh, in our soul. And uh, if we, so we want to, we want to deal with those things of how to get rid of those things. But also just the first step is to recognizing uh, the situation. So uh, we, I don't remember exactly where I stopped. So this may be a little bit repetitive, but I was nearly at the end. So indulgence in sin opens the door to demons. Temptations are often demons looking for access points. And the devil does, he comes and he tries to tempt us. And many times he does it in a generational sort of way. Um, what has been passed down through the generations, what parents did. And some people want to say that's just learned behavior. But really, it's, it's, it's not. It's, uh, uh, I know that, um, I don't know whether to tell this or not, uh, Maybe I'll just go, I, you know, I guess I just had a Joyce Meyer moment last week because she just tells all on national TV. And, uh, you know, she just tells it all. And I know the West, I mean the West, oh man, the Nodines, man, uh, had us, gave us a listen to her testimony on cassette tape a long time ago. And I listened to it and she graphically tells what she's been through, but she does it to help people. And so... Um, so um, I think I'll skip over that tonight. I promised I wasn't going to go into any of that kind of stuff. Uh, 
And, and it, this was about something else. It wasn't that other situation. Church often acts like a, the church often acts like sin is pretty much harmless and is easily forgiven. I think that the, some people call it the ultra grace message or the, I've heard it called different things, but it's, that's really popular out there. And I've, that, um, I started to say call him dad because, but, um, pastor and I, we are totally into grace. We were preaching grace before grace was cool. We came from Seminole. In Seminole, we preached, he preached a message, but we were into this message of no condemnation and uh, hallelujah. Just And so no condemnation is grace. And so we're all about that. But so... I th- I, grace is a wonderful message, and teaching people that they can come pat, they can get over their past, uh, they can come out. Grace is, they can just live under grace. That that the past is over, and getting people out from under the condemnation of the past. That side of grace is beautiful and awesome. But then the side of grace that comes over here and preaches to another part of the church. And talks and and kind of nearly says, just go ahead and go do it, cause there's grace. That is not the right kind of grace, and uh, so because of that, uh, the church has an attitude towards sin. They do not realize a lot of the church how damaging sin is, how damaging to our mind, will, and emotions, our own soul, how damaging it is to our physical bodies. And so if we act like sin is harmless and easily forgiven, that is just a partial, that is a half truth. Sin is easily forgiven, but sin is not harmless. Uh, Even though God forgives us quickly and completely, sometimes the consequences of sin are not easy. And it may take a lifetime of, of, of believing God for restoration and recovery. Uh, one regrettable sinful action can change our lives forever. And if you don't believe that, you can go down to Tuscaloosa County Jail and go talk to the boys in there. And a huge bunch of them are Christians that had that one regrettable sinful action. Hallelujah. And so uh, then... Uh, speaking about wounds, wounds can be left open from childhood. A lot of times we just, sometimes we don't realize we're wounded until we get to a place in growth. We're growing in God and then all of a sudden we get to a place or all of a sudden maybe we're rocking along pretty good and we marry. And all of a sudden that man that we married or that woman she steps on the on that landmine that is in our soul that we don't even know we have and we just are you know all of a sudden we need we we find out there was a spot there there was a place that was wounded that was hurt that we overreact we're there 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 sometimes is an overreaction in those areas um and those things can be in childhood um hallelujah you know our soul is sort of like a filing cabinet it's got a lot of stuff in it that's been put in there through the years 
And sometimes we need to go in and clean out the filing cabinet. And uh, sometimes what's in the filing cabinet, if it's not cleaned out, we will be having things like anxiety or depression or stress. And the root of it is not the situation that we're in today, but the root of it goes back to something in the past. Uh, <clears throat> the fact about demons are, is they are stubborn and they refuse to leave unless they're told to the most of the time. Now, sometimes you'll hear preachers say that there's nothing that the Word won't deliver you from. And that is true, that the Word is a constant restore in our lives. But a lot of times we need help to find the problem to the, to, in order to apply the Word and, how, and know how to apply, apply it. Hallelujah. And demons are just have to be, we have to use our authority against demons. Um, I think we need to be hands laid on us very often. And I don't mean because we think we have a demon or something. I'm just talking about members of the body of Christ. Having hands laid on you keeps you strong. Keeps you strong. It keeps you... I, I don't even know how to describe it, really. It's just, it's, it's a powerful thing that God has given us. God's power is hidden in our hands. You remember that. And there's a lot of things that are transmitted by the laying on of hands. Uh, the things that we need in our spirit, because um, our spirit needs nourishment. Our spirit and our soul needs to feel love, and love is transmitted. Peace is transmitted. Healing and comfort are things are, that are transmitted through the laying of owner of hands. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians 2 and read a little bit about our soul, and then we'll move on. I'm just kind of finishing up about the three entry points, so I kind of feel like I started in the middle of the movie, but hallelujah. I don't watch a lot of movies, but sometimes when I watch a movie, I watch it like that. I'll watch half of it one day. Then I'll come back a few days later and watch the other half. So I'm looking for First Thessalonians. I don't know what my problem is. Okay, okay. Here we are. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you that it was not in vain. But even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts." For neither at any time used we flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear unto us. So anytime we minister the gospel, it, got, it has to come through our soul. So, hallelujah, how do we say this? We, as ministers of the new covenant, and that's what we all are, we must endeavor to be as pure 
and as healed in soul as we possibly can be. Because what we minister is going to come through our soul. And we have to, we also should be careful that we are not ministering out of our soul, but we're listening to the Holy Ghost when ministering people. Hallelujah. So I want to encourage you tonight to, to what you need healing in your soul for, then, then pursue that. Get that. God's not, it's not a hard thing. Let's talk about how to close the door. We've talked about the three entry points, but how can we close the door? We need to always be mindful of canceling the illegal activity of the devil and to close the door on him. The devil cannot legally attack us. We belong to God's spirit, soul, and body. But it's just like you can't legally rob a bank. But people do. And John 10.10 is not legal for the devil to come and steal, kill, and destroy from us. But he does it illegally until we shut the door and we stop him. Now, I don't want to blow this out of proportion uh, in any way, this teaching that I'm doing. And I'm doing this because the Lord directed me to, not because it's my uh, favorite thing to teach. But um, I'm not going to blow this out of proportion. I'm going to tell you this right up front. Demons are easily dealt with. So don't be like, oh, God, I've got a demon. Or I believe a demon's attacked my kid's soul or whatever demons are easily dealt with it should be something that we do as easily as we pray every day we sub we not only pray we ask god for things we submit to him and we resist the devil it's like and if we do that and we keep the door shut then god will lead us through a process and we will be healed, whole and healthy, spirit, soul, and body. So demons are easily dealt with. They don't want you to know that, though. They operate in deception, and they try to intimidate us to keep us from dealing with situations. And one of the lies that the devil tells people is that you will not be able to stand the pain of facing situations. You know, we sing a song now. Uh, we've sang it a couple of times that talks about, I will, what is it? Uh, it's that one, you provide the fire, I'll provide the sacrifice. But it says, I will open up inside. And I know that a lot of people don't open up inside because maybe they haven't really figured out why they don't. But a lot of times it's fear. It's like this, if I open up inside, first of all, I... You know, people are going to know things about me. It's going to be so painful. And there is a certain amount of pain in opening up inside. I know when we sing that song, I always just try to pull open my whole being. And sometimes I feel that little, <gasps> just at first. <laughs> but it's just gone, just like that. It's a figment of, of our imagination or even more so it's a it's just a lie of the devil that is just uh that we're gonna it's gonna be so painful 
we're not going to be able to bear it if we open up and we become vulnerable and we let other people in and we let the we let God in and we give him free rule and reign in our lives and we let him change us, rearrange us, take out the what's not good, put in what is good. And uh, th- so the, he, the devil tries to intimidate us with that lie that we're not going to be able to stand the pain. Another lie he tells us is if you, if you, if you, um, if you try to get free of this, I'll attack you more. I'll attack you more if you if you mess with me. And so a lot of people have a fear of the devil. I used to have a tremendous fear of the devil when we were first filled with the Spirit. I had that book. I read the book, Pigs in the Parlor, which was about deliverance. But I couldn't even keep the book at my house. I had to let my grandmother store the book in her bookcase at her house because I was, I was afraid. I was afraid of the devil. And it, don't, don't ask me to explain that. Fear is always irrational. It never makes any sense. All fears are irrational. And uh, so, um, but, you know, I had to grow. I had to mature. Hallelujah. Praise God. <clears throat> Jesus won the victory for us. We have to enforce it. That's just the bottom line. It does not do any good to ignore the devil. Hallelujah. It does not do any good to ignore something that's inside of us. It does no good to hope that the devil will go away. He won't. In fact, he actually operates the opposite of that. He, if he's, that he's that one that if you give him an inch, he'll take a mile. If you give him little ground, he'll go for more ground. And we see that in people that have addictions. It's so easily to seen that it just keeps progressing. It keeps going. It keeps going further and further. And you think that people whose teeth are falling out would stop, but they can't. And so it goes and it goes and it goes. And uh, because the devil is like that, he steals, kills, and destroys if we will let him. And... uh, uh, so step one of closing the door is confessing. And when I say confessing, I'm not talking about repentance. That's number two is repentance. Confessing is found in, uh, let's see, James. Let's go to James. I was supposed to write that scripture down, but I didn't. So we'll just find it. And it's in the passage where we often read for healing in verse uh, chapter 5 verse 16 no James chapter 5 is that right James chapter 5 verse 16 confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed Uh, confession is is good for us you know the Catholics aren't wrong about everything (laughs) wrong about a lot of stuff but it's very true that confessing to another person, not because the priest has the authority to forgive you, but he does have, uh, he can listen. Hallelujah. He can listen and tell you that God forgives you. Um, so confession is the, is the first step. 
uh, there's a story about the man who who had had an adulterous affair, and he had hidden it for many years. It was his dark secret, but he confessed it to his wife and manifested a physical healing immediately. And it had to do with eyesight. He manifested physical healing in his sight immediately where he could not see colors. He could not see light. He manifested that immediately when he finally could just couldn't hold it any longer. And he confessed it to his wife. Now, if you listen on TV, they'll tell you, don't don't tell anything. Don't confess. You know, don't, you know, keep it in the past. You know, if what they don't know is good and hallelujah. But truly, if you've got something in your past before you ever get married, you're, whoever you're going to marry has a right to know your past, what you, where you've been. And, and, and it is not, it's sin not to tell, to marry a man and him not to know. It's sin to marry a woman and her not to know and her to find out later, oh, by the way, he has a drug problem or whatever that it is you can find out. Then there was the man that had molested a young girl when he was really young. He had molested a young girl and he confessed in a private ministry time session and immediately the counselor said immediately that the man's demeanor completely physically changed. I know sometimes we're out in restaurants or somewhere and I'll see someone and I'll say, they look so dark. They look so, you know, and a lot of times it's just the life of sin. You can tell the life of sin and when people have had a hard life by their demeanor. Then there's the man, and this is a personal situation that we know of the man that went to a prostitute while stationed in korea and he never confessed it to his wife and that man to this day has never been able to get the victory spiritually or financially always has struggled with spiritual things financial things it's like he's had a weight tied to him and his wife has had physical issues with intimacy the entire, for, for, for just years and years and years now, the man's father, so showing how this can be sometimes a generational thing, the man's father has had a known mistress for years prior to this happening and afterwards. The father's dead now. So these things, these sins will try to pass generationally into the next generation. In fact, the devil likes a human host. And if if someone in the family gets delivered or dies, it, it most likely courses for it to try to go into the next generation. When we confess one to another, it stops the devil. It stops guilt, condemnation, closes the door. Closes the door on the devil. Hallelujah. So confess your faults one to another. That's what it says in James. Hallelujah. And then what the, I was, as I was typing this out, the Holy Ghost just brought this scripture up into my heart immediately. And it's in 1 John and it says, uh, Hallelujah. If we say, 1.8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is 
not in us. A lot of times when confronted with situations, when, when things happen in our lives, the tendency is to throw up a guard out of fear, out of don't want to have to deal with this right now, and say, I have no sin. But if we say we have no sin when we do, then it's a lie. The truth is not in us. We are not out hunting down sin in our own lives, but we are dealing with the obvious. And we are listening and stopping the devil by acting on what the Holy Spirit reveals. I don't know about you, but I don't want to pass anything to my children. I certainly don't want anything passed to my grandchildren. So I want to be a place where I have not only confessed and I have repented. Um, Hallelujah. So we don't make excuses, blame others, hope it'll go away. Or here's how I've watched this over and over my entire life, how people put themselves to being so busy so they don't ever have to think getting so busy they don't have to think or when we sure don't shift responsibility we need to meet these things head on deal with it immediately deal with things quickly deal with things immediately that is i cannot stress to you enough body of christ family of god river church family deal with things immediately if you are tempted to be offended deal with it immediately don't let in marriage deal with things quickly in relationships just go ahead and and thing deal with things quickly there's a business axiom hallelujah that says uh, to deal with problems quickly sooner is always better than later we don't want the devil to get a foothold in any area I will tell you this concerning confessing. Use wisdom in confessing. Use wisdom in, well, of course, your husband, your wife. But if if there's something that must be that you need to confess and you need another person, be sure and use wisdom with that. I just be careful of your BFF. I when I hear BFF, I want to stick my finger down my throat. And, gag and some people it's just like everything on facebook is my bff my bff and uh it's like it is so seventh grade folks it is so seventh grade in seventh grade we were all about oh you're my best friend and you know what it would be the next day we would be mad at that one and and somebody else would be our bff now i know the guys weren't like that because but that's how seventh grade girls were hallelujah and BFF is so seventh grade. I believe in the body of Christ that we are all brothers and sisters and everybody should be our BFF. I love I, I, that we should be like we are about our kids or the, how we're supposed to be about our kids, which we love both of them. We love all of them. We don't have a best kid. Hallelujah. We don't have a best kid. We don't have one we love more than others. We may have one that's harder to deal with, but we don't have one we love more than others. We can have one we enjoy more than others, though. So uh, be careful in confessing. Use wisdom. Step two is repenting. 
Our confessing is done to man. Our repenting is done to God. 1 John 1, 9 says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Repentance means to express sorrow or regret about the wrong one has done and to determine not to walk that way again. You know, I heard Joyce Meyer say the other day, if you're going to repent and you're going to confess, you need to call it what it was. And uh, she said one time she was telling the Lord, she said, I'm sorry I did that. And the Lord said back to her, did what? (laughs) So we need to get used to saying, I'm sorry I did this or I'm and and tell the Lord what we're sorry for. One man repented of his wrong and nothing seemed to happen. It just wasn't, you know, he had been told, you know, you'll get a great victory if you repent of what you've been doing. But then he remembered he had left one marijuana cigarette in his pocket in case he ever wanted one. I don't think that's really repenting. Do you? Um, Confessing and repenting knocks the devil in the head and breaks his hold on you. I, I believe it with all my heart. Forgiving. Step three is forgiving. Holding on to unforgiveness hinders God from working in our lives. I, it, it goes back to dealing with the devil is not as hard as the devil wants us to think it is. And forgiving is not near as hard as the devil wants us to think it is. Forgiving someone else. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison every day and thinking we're hurting the other person. That's exactly what it is. It takes the supernatural anointing of the Holy Spirit to walk in unforgiveness. And we have the supernatural anointing of the Holy Spirit. So it shouldn't be a problem for us to be. And it's going to be a constant thing. See, if we think we're going to walk through life... And we'll only have to forgive once, or we'll only no forgiveness is all the time. Forgiveness is I may you may have to forgive me before we get out of the building tonight. Hallelujah. And and uh, we all have to forgive one another. And you know, at work it's a constant thing. Cause you could be mad all the time. It wouldn't even be hard. Now, if you don't have that personality and you can't be mad all the time, I can show you how to do it. But I personally, you know, I could be mad in traffic. I could be mad at most restaurants we go to. I could be mad at the dumb people in the booth next to us that are talking on their cell phone like nobody else is in the room. The ones that bring, I could be mad at the people that bring squalling kids to nice restaurants. And, and you know, I could be mad. There's all you can you can look at Facebook and be mad. You can, you know, I I have a love-hate relationship with Facebook because I'm constantly having to say don't respond to that. I try to be positive and respond to good things only. But, you know, and even stay out. Of, I don't want to start a war on Facebook, but there sometimes have you ever read the comments on you know, one time <laughs> you know, I don't do that very often, but there are people that get angry on Facebook and call people bad names and you idiot. And and I'm like, really? On Facebook? And uh, I'm kind of scared to post sometimes, afraid somebody will start uh, doing that to me. But uh, there's always a place to forgive. There's always, and we have a lot of grace to do that. Uh, so forgiveness closes off that entry point of the devil. 
And forgive does not mean what they did is okay. I think we need to know that. And forgiveness is not giving people a pass. And it doesn't mean that it didn't hurt. And it's not saying it's okay it's or it's all right. And if someone hurts you and they come and ask you for forgiveness or repent to you or apologize, just say, I receive it or I accept your apology or uh, thank you for apologizing. But don't if it hurts you, don't say it's okay. You're not required. But a lot of times we do. We, you know, we throw out, oh, that's okay. Or, oh, just forget it, you know. Or don't worry about it. Or no problem. You know. But we shouldn't say it's okay if it because it's not okay. We should just say, I, I forgive you. Thank you for apologizing. I I appreciate that. Now if you somebody apologizes for stepping on your toe, just say, Yeah, that's okay. But if they grind it into the ground and break three toes, you're not required to say that's okay. You can you can receive apologies without that. Hallelujah. If we do these three things, if we if we confess, if we uh, repent to God, and if we uh, forgive, then we will keep the door closed on the devil. And he won't be able to get a hold. And then when we have something where the enemy maybe tries to get in somewhere. And, you know, we need to be bright. I'm talking about, and it's like, if something's happened repetitively, there's a root. If our kid is having repetitive problems, it's our responsibility as a parent to find the spiritual root. Where is the problem here? And to face it head on and help our child deal with it, do what we have to do to deal with it. It's our responsibility not to ignore stuff, not to, not to pretend that, that our child's acting normal when they're not. Because things attack our children. And when, especially when children go to schools, any school, Christian school included, but public school, you know, there's things out there. And there's things said, and there's hurts that happen, and there's wounds. And boys don't just come home and tell it all. I know that from raising two boys. I know everything I ever got out of them. But I could tell as their mama their demeanor if something wasn't right. And so I'd be like, what's wrong? And they would say, nothing. And I would say, I just I was going to go after it. I, so, and finally... Finally, I would just work them to the point until they would finally tell me what happened at school, who said what, what teacher said something. Then, you know, you can help them deal with it in a spiritual way. But just to pretend it's not there or to believe them when they say nothing, when you can tell they're visibly upset, that is unwise as a parent. Hallelujah. Sometimes you have to help kids repent. When kids sin, you have to, you can't just say, you need to repent of that. Well, you know, you need to get down on your knees by their bed with them and help them repent and lead them through repentance. Because that's how you get free. And if you tell a kid to repent, do you think they're going to go in there and do it? No. 
Now, I realize they reach a certain age, which you can't uh, tell them. All you can do is say, you need to repent. <laughs> you need to repent of that, you know. And, you know, uh, I know Eric got to the age where I would tell him something. And, you know, and I would try to, he was, I would say, well, are you praying? Or did you pray about that? And he would be like, uh, I got it covered, got it covered, got it covered. <laughs> I don't know if he really had it covered. And then about about five minutes after that, he'd be going, uh, hitting his watch like that and saying, I got to hit the old dusty trail, you know, and he'd be out of there. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I still say, I'm like Mark. Mark Barkley says if his sons get our kids get in sin, he's not going to leave them alone. He's not going to let them go to hell. Hallelujah. He's going to keep on. And, you know, you have to pray about how to do that as they get older. But hallelujah, don't let them go to hell. Do not let them go to hell. Pray First of all, prayer and then uh, whatever. And uh, hallelujah. Know, know these things. Be alert. Be sensitive. You know, to, and that goes for husbands and wives too. You know, something's wrong. It shouldn't sneak up on us. We should, we shouldn't, we should know God enough to know something's not right in my world. I need to fix this. Something's not right. I feel, I feel a burden. I feel something. I've got to go to the root of it. I've got to find it. I've got to, you know, I got to deal with it. Hallelujah. We never get that way we never get far away from God. We don't we don't drift further and further and further away from him. Hallelujah. We stand up in authority and we move in power. We know we have dominion over the devil and we do not let him get a foothold. Do not let him get a foothold. Give no place to the devil. Give no place to the devil. Hallelujah. Give no place to the devil. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Praise God. Let's pray tonight. Hallelujah. Father, help us to be wise. Lord, we ask for wisdom. We ask for wisdom in our marriages, in our parenting, in our church. And as we relate to, even in, as how, in how we relate to pastors, Father, and how we relate to each other, give us wisdom. Help us, Lord, at River Church to maintain this unity which is so precious. Lord, help us to be teachable so that we can grow. And we ask to grow. Lord, we want to be the mature sons of God that are led by the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Thank you for correcting us when we're wrong. Thank you for protecting us and keeping us from getting to a place where we're open and vulnerable. But hide us in the secret place of your presence. Hide us, O oh God, we ask in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for help us as a church to take those that next step, that next step into your glory, that help us, Father, to 
receive everything you have for us and not to hold back anything, not to be afraid. Lord, we receive the rain. We receive the rain. We receive the rain. And Lord, help us be wise enough and discerning enough to discern the rain in all its many faceted and forms that that you come father holy ghost you come you come into our midst and you lord you lord you you minister life to us god you minister life in jesus name in jesus name now release life and i speak blessing all over this congregation speak unity i speak lord sweetness i speak sweetness hallelujah there's anything right now that you need to just let go maybe with something that happened today maybe it's something even bigger than that if you need to let something go well the anointing and the grace is here right now to let it go. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord.